Hey, Cracked fans. We are so excited to be welcoming our friends at Turna back to this show as a supporting sponsor moving forward. Now, of course, all of you tennis fans know Turna Tennis for their world-famous Turna grip, that iconic purple-colored grip you see on the rackets of so many different professional tennis players. But did you also know that they make the tackiest grip in the world? That's right, folks, the brand-new Turna Tennis Mega Tack Grip. It's the tackiest grip on the market. It starts tacky and, simply put, stays tacky longer than any other grip you'll find out there. And if you tell your opponent, what do I use on my racket? I use the Mega Tack. You're going to be attacking with that Mega Tack from start to finish. If you've seen anything we do at Cracked Rackets, you know I'm a hairy guy. As you can imagine, I sweat when I play. The only grip that works for me is the Turn of Tennis grip. Of course, the Mega Tack taking things to the next level. How can you get yourself hooked up with a Turn of Grip today? It's simple. You're going to either find it wherever you buy your tennis goods. Or you can email them directly by emailing sales at uniquesports.com. That's sales at uniquesports.com. You mentioned Crack Rackets sent you in the email. We would greatly appreciate that as they let you, them know that we sent you there. But more importantly, you get a free sample and they'll treat you as family moving forward. Again, you email sales at uniquesports.com. You mentioned Crack Rackets. You get the free sample. You get hooked up with our friends at Turna. Once you use a Turna Grip, you're never going to turn anywhere else. Of course, again, ask them about the mega tack the tackiest grip on the market contact sales at uniquesports.com and get started with our friends at turn to tennis today Hey, welcome to the next episode of the Charger 3 Podcast. Uh, I'm once again joined by Alfred Yaku, who's going to talk with me about uh, the two Challenger events that we've had this week, uh, perhaps some something else. Um, how are you doing and where do you want to start then? I'm slowly recovering from Slovakia's loss in the Davis Cup. <laughs> uh, once again, those, those bastards, they, they gave me hope. For, for a little bit, um, but you know, we, we, we played them tough. We played them very, very close. Um, I wasn't able to be there, but the atmosphere was uh, pretty great at, at, at some points. So maybe uh, actually let's start there. I mean, uh, what, what surprised you in this in this matchup? We, we talked about it briefly last week. Uh, we definitely weren't expecting Molchan to withdraw, but I mean, that, yeah. that it was so close. How, how did it happen? Yeah, I mean, once Molchan withdrew, uh, I, I I basically lost hope. I, I was like, okay, it's it's not happening at all. Uh, Gombos played center quite close. It was six four in the third uh, in that first tie. It was uh, very 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 tight. Uh, couldn't close it out. Center is really good. <laughs> so, it makes a lot of. Sense. <laughs> I love that sentence. I mean, Sinner is really good. That's why you're. Yeah, that's why we're here on the podcast. That's why you're listening to us in order to hear this revolutionary thoughts. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm. Uh, you know, I, I, I was happy with with how Gombos played in that match. Um, and then I, I mean, Horansky came through with the absolute upset, uh, taking out Sonego. Uh, that was I didn't see that coming in the slightest, uh, to be honest, <laughs> at all. Um, but yeah, it was this weird situation where Horansky was the number one, even though he's lower ranked uh, than Gombosh because Molchan withdrew so late. Uh, so it actually set up Gombosh in the fifth rubber, which I was potentially quite quite happy with. Um, but yeah, we we won the doubles in a third set tiebreak. Uh, it was Polashek and Zelenai over Boleli and Siner. But yeah, I, I I could only see the very end uh, of of the of the third set there, but I, I was once again very happy with that. Sinner beat Horansky, and then Mozetti beat Gombos six four in the third. Um, it's yeah. Um, I mean, definitely my weekend went better than your weekend. That's that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a very bold choice from the Italian Davis Cup captain to go with Musetti on the fifth rubber, right? Yeah, I I sort of expected it because Sonego, mm-hmm. I, I I really didn't I really didn't like him in that in that match against Horansky. and I felt like Gomes would have probably beaten Sonego had he put up the same performance. So I think it was a, it was the right call. Yeah, yeah. we talked we talked about pre match that I think Volandri is the is the Davis Cup captain for Italy, yes. right? Yeah, Volandri. yeah. I mean, we talked about it pre match that like the number two choice is pretty tough actually. That it doesn't really have to be Sonego. Uh, I think I was more for Musetti, but after you know, after you actually play the guy, 
then it's it, it sometimes gets really tough to just decide, okay, now I'm going to go with Musetti and then Musetti loses and everyone is like, oh, but if we play Sonego. Uh, but yeah, I mean, for, for the Italians, it all went right. Yeah, as you said, we I think we both mentioned that Poland probably has more of a chance against Portugal than Slovakia. That didn't yes, really work yeah. out. That Slovakia against Italy. I mean, that didn't really work out. Uh, three matches, uh, three times it went to a deciding set. Uh, but but I, I, I think we are quite right I think it, it was you who said it, uh, that like in almost every single tie, Portugal has like a 55-60% advantage, something like this. Yeah. Like every yeah. single match there was close, but still in favor of the of the uh, Portuguese. I can't really be angry, I don't know, at Kasper Juk playing against Sousa, you know, losing to him three sets. Juk is not really in form. Uh, Borges, as I as I said, I just think he's so good that Mike Schreck shouldn't really be the favorite against him even, especially in Maya. Uh, especially on clay and the doubles. I mean, the doubles always is quite random, especially when we're talking about two pairings that are on top of the challenger too, let's say, uh, in, in Borges Cabral and Valko Zielinski. We're also going to have to give a shout out to Belgium because of our biggest our <laughs> biggest fan buddy who, uh, I mean, wasn't exactly pleased with the fact that we didn't mention it last week. Uh, I did catch a, uh, some of that matchup. I uh, was definitely surprised to see Kofan beat Rusev Wari after he struggled so much with uh, Otto Vitanen. Uh, but he was yeah, like... Yeah, I, I, uh, I, yeah, I, I only saw the very end of, of Vitanen against Kofan in that one. Um, but yeah. Yeah, it's, it was a mess. And it was, it was exactly what Kofan played in, I don't know, the past six months or something. And then he just comes out and has that insane performance against Rusev Wari. And maybe this is actually going to be like a springboard for a return from him. Obviously, Zizou Berg's then stepping up as well to, to beat Fittanen, which he was you know, favored to do, but it, it's never easy in, 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 in circumstances like this. Absolutely. I, I think uh, looking back at the at that uh, playoff that, that Poland played, I think I think the draw was pretty tough actually. Looking at like like Turkey beat out Uzbekistan. Uzbekistan was a was a seeded team. I feel like you, you get that draw, you're much happier with it. Yeah, there were uh, plenty, even, there yeah. were plenty teams yeah. uh, that were seeded and would have been much easier. Uh, after we got Portugal. My God. Come again? <laughs> Pakistan was one of the seeded teams, and Pakistan Pakistan actually won, right? But after yeah, after I mean, we they, drew, they won, of course, yeah. After we drew Portugal, everyone was like happy about it, and I didn't understand it because you know just take out Hurkacz, and we're not even the favorite of that, right? I, yeah. I'm not saying this was the worst draw as well, but then Chile is probably the toughest one. Uh, I imagine, but uh, I, it's definitely not one of the, the weakest seeds that we could have gotten. Eh, whatever. Now we just beat someone else in September and we're still at the same level. So, yeah, let's go to the challengers then. <laughs> After that yeah. Davis Cup introduction, yeah, where do you want to start? In uh, Turin or, uh, yeah, I'm already forgetting Gran Canaria, of course. Yeah, let's, let's start with Gran Canaria, uh, Gianluca Mager. Uh, beat Maitek, Roberto Carbaez Baena. I, I, th- I thought I was going to get a point here. Unfortunately, Magar prevented that. Uh, it was funny, uh, second seed beating top seeds in, in both finals. Uh, kind of interesting to see. In Magar's case, it was 7-6-6-2. His fifth challenger uh, title, 5-1 and one in finals on the challenger circuit. So pretty impressive. Uh, he gets to re-enter the top 100 with this title. He's going to be 95 uh, on Monday. Um, as for his run, let me pull that up here. Uh, on, on, on his run in Gran Canaria, uh, he beat Paul Toledo de Bague, Javier Barranco Costano, Raul Brancaccio, uh, your pick, Ricardo Bonandio, who actually made it to the semis before uh, beating out Carbaez Baena. How did you like Maget this week? Yeah, as you, as you mentioned, he, he also beat my pick. Uh, which I did. I didn't really expect Nadio to beat Magar. I guess I was more hoping that Magar and Carbaez by now would maybe lose early. Maybe he would only have to play one of them. Uh, I really like the fact that Magar can win these matchups, like against Carbaez Baena, or he beat Munar in the Challenger final last year, right? Or maybe it was a, an ATP event, but uh, Mar- no, Marbella. That was a, a Challenger, maybe not a final, but definitely in, in Marbella. And uh, like the, the the fact that he can actually 
like find a plan B in this matchup is is great because you usually just think of him as that guy who plays a big serve on clay and then hits a huge forehand and <laughs> that's usually what he does. He's also like not the best of movers, but on clay he's uh, you know, very natural. Uh, it gets weaker in other surfaces to me. So so I, I was really impressed with the, with the final he played, especially after starting out so poorly. I think the windy conditions do not necessarily play in his favor because Gran Canaria, if you... <laughs> I, I, I'm assuming probably most of you watched uh, at least a match of, of it at least last year or, or 2021, but like it's permanently windy. Yeah, there, there are these flags behind the center court and you can just see how windy it is all the time, just whatever day, whatever, you know, whether it's morning, evening, it, the wind just doesn't care. It's always there. So I always thought that a guy like Carpaez Buena would probably handle it a bit better. But then again, maybe Maker can actually hit through the wind. And when Carpaez Buena hits that very loopy ball, maybe it just floats, you know, regardless of his control. Uh, so, you know, the, I'm not sure if, if Carpaez Baena played his best tennis in the final, probably not. Uh, but that doesn't change the fact that, that, that it was very impressive. Magar, this is a guy who's been circling around that level, winning challengers, then one run on the main tour, then dropping down. I'm not sure he's ever going to be able to establish himself as a full-on main tour player, but certainly he keeps proving that. And this is also a, a, a very late breakthrough, right? Before 2019, no one would ever think like Gianluca Mager as a top 100 talent. Uh, so, so maybe there, there's still a lot of good tennis left in Mager that we're yet to actually see or yet to realize. Yeah, I mean, I personally hadn't heard of Mager before the, the Rio run where he made the final. That sort of really... Mm-hmm on the map for me yeah i i would probably guess that the high career high ranking that he has now is probably the highest he's ever going to be uh it was 62 so i don't, I don't think he makes it past 62 again but you know so solid player uh that's for sure as for carbaez baena it was his 14th challenger final uh, his record is now eight and six he's lost the last three um, to very strong opponents. I, th- I think outside of Maguire here, he lost to uh, Pedro Martinez and uh, Talon Griegspor in uh, Sevilla and, and Murcia last year. So uh, I don't think it's any crisis for, for Carbaez Baena here. Uh, he was up six spots, number 73, and on his run, he beat Luciano Dardelli, uh, Paul Martin Tifon, uh, Johan Niklas, and Dujaj Dukovic. Yeah, anything else on Carbaez Baena? That match against Martin Tifon was like potentially dangerous. Uh, Martin Tifon, I think, served uh, served for the set. Definitely had a set point as well, and it looked looked as though he could really do something. I remember he had that moment. Did he beat Martin last year? I actually should have checked that. But yeah, in South America, there was something like this, right? Uh, I mean, who hasn't beaten Andrew <laughs> Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. It was in Cuito, so on altitude clay. And he had that, that mm-hmm. moment there where he looked just really good. Uh, he's got a game which really benefits when, when the clay is faster. So perhaps also not the best conditions for him in Gran Canaria because of the wind. Uh, but but if he if he can like just you know settle his nerves, he at one point he's gonna win a match like this because he really had a chance against Carbaez Baena. Big forehand, very a lot of three points on serve, especially compared to to someone like RCB. And if you know just the second set just run away from <laughs> RCB just run away from him because of the, all the momentum from the tie break. Uh, but this was really he really threatens the guy. That was that was very impressive. Yeah, yeah, we, we can talk a little bit about the semifinalists. Obviously, Bonadio was was your pick. Uh, not didn't pay off all the way, but but almost, almost did. I think quite impressive there. Uh, beat uh, Persico, then Andre Martin, uh, who actually won a match, so it was in the second round uh, that he lost this time. Uh, and then also beat uh, Moreno de Alboran, uh, and that was actually an eight match winning streak that he had before he lost to Maguer. So. Uh, what, what, what do you think uh, Bonadio uh, can can do this year? What should we expect from him? I've always said that he was going to do better than he than his ranking, that his results would suggest. I think like uh, a clay court challenger title at one point, maybe like not, not this season necessarily, but I, uh, if there's a weaker draw somewhere, like I said, I, I don't really think he could 
go through market that's like too much that's probably just just simply more than his ceiling is uh but but certainly just another three maybe two and a half because the, the match against martin was a bit of a mess then again, the, the wind was was a problem for both players in this one. Uh, again, a couple of performances that I just really, uh, you know, made me quite sure that that, that this is a guy I, I will always be calling underranked, underranked, and maybe maybe I'm just gonna be you know, just speaking it out. No one is gonna believe me, and even Bonadio is not gonna believe in it. But <laughs> I still think that Bayern game should be rewarded with more ranking points, with more. Uh, perhaps not title runs at the Challenger Tour, but just finals, semi-finals and all. He only had that one final in Trieste uh, two years ago, which he lost to Alcaraz. Uh, kind of makes you wonder, like, what would have happened to Bonadio if he if he won that? And obviously for Alcaraz, it probably wouldn't have mattered that much. He, he would just yeah. take another one <laughs> a month later. Uh, but for Bonadio, this match was maybe the, the most important of his career, which is quite, you know, quite a thing to think about. But certainly the, you know, the, the, the difference in the potential, the difference in talent between the two is pretty absurdly high. Yes, and then we also had Duya Idukovic uh, making the semifinals. I, th- I think it's his fourth Challenger semifinal that he's reached. Um, he beat Miguel Damas in the first round, Nicolas Sanchez Izquierdo in the second round, and then Salvatore Caruso uh, in the quarterfinals, 6 4 in the third. Pretty pretty big win for, for Idukovic there, I think. Um, yeah, what, what, what should we expect from, from Idukovic? Because he sort of. I think didn't have the best year last year. Uh, didn't, didn't move up. I, I think as much as he would have expected, where he's still, uh, you know, yet to reach the the the, the top two hundred and stuff. Uh, yeah, what what do you think Edukovic has in his uh, future here? Yeah, something like what she said. I mean, after 2020, everyone was thinking that this is the guy who's gonna, I don't know, jump to the top two hundred next year. Never happened. Uh, he was just pretty much stale, if you can call it that. Uh, but 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 yeah, I'm still excited about him. He's got that absolutely huge game that can work on a good day, but can also massively flop when he's just not feeling it. But for me, the match, uh, for example, against Ramos last year in Umag was just so amazing from him. And I am really excited to just check him, check him against better guys again. Maybe Umag is going to be another chance. I don't suppose Croatians have this many wildcard talents. I mean, there, there's a few juniors, of course, like Polichak or uh, kind of come up with the with the other guy now, but there's also another one. Uh, but but I'm hoping that he can get at least a quality wildcard there. Just just would like to see what he can do against higher ranked players because the for a guy with a game like this, I suppose that he can struggle with challengers, but then beat almost anyone if he's feeling it, if he just has a very, very good day. Uh, so I, I absolutely love the fact that we got to see him in the semi here. And also, as you mentioned, that huge win against Caruso. Uh, not, not really one of the best ones he's had in his career because in 2020 or even 2021, he's had a few uh, ones, you know, with once against players who, uh, who are slightly higher ranked. Uh, but certainly among the the best in recent times, at least. Uh, yes. Should we go to Turin, or uh, is there anything else that you want to talk about in Gran Canaria? Uh, probably not. I think we can just go to Turin. I also really enjoyed the quarterfinals between uh, Bonadio and Moreno Alboran. Moreno uh, Alboran is one of these guys like you wouldn't really expect to start progressing, but maybe he will. Like he's he's got. Excellent determination, excellent breed. Probably not enough weapons. There's so many of these players on the on the Challenger Tour, but no, this is this is someone who can potentially exceed our expectations. I never really figured that he'd be winning matches on a regular basis on this level at this level, and he's absolutely doing that. Yes. Uh, so in Turin, we had the second seed Mats Morang beating our top seed Quentin Alice. Uh, seven six six three for his fifth challenger title up 22 spots number 128 his new career high ranking uh on the way to the final he beat manuel guinat uh dropped his only set of the week to him uh then uh geese brower 
Filip Christian Gianu uh, and my pick uh, for the title Vasek Pospisil in the semis. Masmarang, he's back. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, 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 he had injury issues at the end of last year, struggled beginning of this year. Do you feel like he's, he's properly back now? I don't know. Honestly, I didn't see the Pospisil much, so I, I'm... I'm not really sure. I've I've only heard that like Pospisil was really really tired at that point. Uh, it happened to a lot of guys this week, like my pig Van Rijthoven, who who lost to Giami. Mm-hmm. Uh, we I, we I remember both of us were sort of going between Van Rijthoven and Pospisil uh, in terms of the winner pick. Both of them ended up getting getting tired. Uh, Morang, as you said, only lost a set to Guinard. In fact, Guinard broke him three times, and the only other opponent to break him was Pospisil, and that was already at a point when Morang was leading by a set and a double break. Uh, so mm. obviously, excellent serving as always. But watching the watching the final against Alice, I at least at the very beginning, I wasn't that impressed. Alice was serving much better. I, I think Morang's movement looked. I mean, clunky at best. The baseline game was just a little all over the place, mostly coming from the fact that he just wasn't moving. Uh, for at least for me, <laughs> Alice had so many chances. I mean, so many, maybe not so many, but a lot of these small chances there that you actually probably have to take if you're playing someone over serve like Morais. Uh, like I don't know, if you have a second serve return at 30-30, that that's where you have to step in. Uh, Alice didn't, uh, which is. Sort of like the, the story of his career. If you, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's a little harsh, but that, that that that's been the case, really. That's why he still hasn't been the top one hundred. He might soon. Uh, but after the after the first set, I I certainly really enjoyed what Morang was able to show. Then definitely much better from the ground later on. Stepped up and took his only opportunity, which Alice wasn't able to do. Also, the couple of forehands that he hit at 11-11 in the tiebreak were just, <laughs> just absolutely stunning. I mean, uh, the, the first one, obviously, just a surf pass one, which is sort of natural. Uh, he loves going just super flat, absolutely all or nothing at it. But the, the one that he actually took to, you know, to, 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 to win the opening set was just some insane defensive gets down the line. And, and, and that was just the kind of shots that Alice couldn't really come uh, come up with in when it really mattered. So uh, is he back? I don't think this was quite the Morang that we saw in the fall last year, uh, but I would absolutely love it if this guy peaked again, made the top 100, which now doesn't look that unbelievable. Uh, again, I mean, we talked about it last week, but Ali, we definitely mentioned both Alice and Morang, but Morang as in, uh, I said something along the lines of last year, I would have been, you know, all about that. Maybe Mats Morang can make the top 100, but he's not really playing at that level right now. If he can a few good runs again, I think he signed up for the Sunshine Double, which I'm not sure if it's actually that good of a decision, but then again, there's no indoor challenger in Europe for like two weeks or something, right? So, um, yeah, it's it's Neil uh, or Biel actually in uh, on March 21st. So I, I can understand the fact that he doesn't really have much to play in uh, in Europe during that time. Although he's a very very competitive Quaker player, but he probably doesn't want to switch right in the middle of the of the season. But uh, anyhow, talking about the top 100, I mean Francisco Serundolo right now, the the guy who on Monday will have uh, will have that last spot. Uh, has 668 points. Quentin Alice has 602, and Borang has 519. So, in the, in terms of Alice, it's very realistic, I would say, because he's also not defending much soon. Borang also isn't, uh, probably until Forney uh, in June, where Alice is also defending a lot because they played the final there, which, by the way, is also won by Borang, and yeah, he saved too much points. So a pretty similar story as here that he was just more clutch uh so they're, they're pretty much there they aren't defending that much until june so both of them will have a chance in terms of alice obviously he's 25 but morang is gonna be like 30 almost in june so mm-hmm. it really might be one of one of his last possible chances to reach that milestone which we know is super important for for most of the players who are circling around these ranks yeah, yeah, it, it, it certainly it will certainly be very interesting to to monitor. Um, as you said, Ali is now sixty six points off. 
uh, he plays, uh, he's scheduled to play in Lille next uh, in, in three weeks. Uh, well, in two, two, two weeks, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, for, for Elise, I also wanted to mention it was his 13th Challenger final. His record is now, now four and nine, which uh, obviously isn't the greatest. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I feel like this final, I can definitely can be explained away with just fatigue. Uh, after after last week, and he had some long matches against against Phils and against Cells. Uh, this week, it's it's I think more. You don't even know if it's like fatigue. I mean, the matches like Alice Grind, especially indoors, especially in such fast conditions. I mean, it's just about who takes their chances, right? I mean, mm. can we really say it's fatigue? I don't know. Morain had one breakpoint in this match, and he took it with a big forehand return. Alice had three. He also had a lot of these mini chances, and as, as Murang in the first set was serving at like 55%, I believe, in terms of first set percentage. But yeah, what you mentioned, he he had a, some really long matches. In the semis, he hit 34 aces, by the way, which was a pretty crazy score. Uh, and in the second round, Fees actually served for the match, mm-hmm. uh, which uh, mm-hmm. which is quite uh, quite interesting. Alice was very close to going out there. Fees actually. I, I believe he maybe yeah he wasn't he wasn't broken yet when he served for it seven six five four and he lost the game to the love and then went on to lose the match but still you know, this this is not uh, not really about Alice anymore <laughs> but a fantastic performance from the seventeen year olds and another just another uh, you know, indicator that he's gonna be a very special talent sometime soon. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah. A- a- anything else from from Turin that we want to talk about? I believe that. Yeah. That actually, I wanted to mention it when we were talking about Gran Canaria. That uh, Dubé and Rebull won another Challenger title, which I mean has oh, been, yeah. <laughs> has been so frequent that uh, <laughs> we're basically not even mentioning these guys because I mean, come on, they they're just constantly winning Challenger titles. Is there anything else that I wanted to talk about from uh, Turin? Uh, Giano is one of the guys you, you always liked, right? He he made the quarters here. I'm not sure it yeah. was exactly um, well deserved is not a not a, not a good word because he obviously deserved it. He played very well, but as I, as I said, I mean Van Rijthoven, uh certainly very good counter punching against him. Had to actually take that take him to that third set to to make him tired. Uh, last week we also talked about Antoine Escoffier who made the quarterfinals and lost to Pospisil and. Deja vu, <laughs> he made the quarterfinals again and lost to Pospisil. So, you know, perhaps if he can stop drawing Pospisil in the in the final eights, then he can have a be- have the best run of his career sometime soon. Yes, yeah. I, I, actually, interestingly enough, despite already winning two titles this year, uh, Dumbia and, and Rebel are not number one uh, mm-hmm. in the uh, challenger race. Uh, right now, it's uh, Cornet and Falert uh, who have uh, two more points <laughs> over over Dumbian Rebel. But yeah, I, 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 I think Dumbian Rebel will win once again at the end of the year just because they play together so often. It's almost impossible for them not to. Yeah, I guess um, it's sort of not guaranteed that Cornet and Falert will, will keep playing. But maybe, maybe they actually decided to. I mean, they're both in the top 200 in doubles right now. Which is mm-hmm. pretty pretty crazy because I, I can't remember what their career highs used to be, but certainly not around the top 100 at all. Like last year, we were probably just learning of Fabian Falert, right? And then, yeah. yeah, yeah. And Cornea was just this this Romanian guy who kept getting wildcards to Romanian challengers and had a big serve, but and actually, <laughs> yeah, and played with Petros Tsitsipas a lot. Uh, and I mean, I, I remember talking about them that they were actually surprisingly good when I watched them live. Uh, but uh, you know, he's 28, so this is also a very unexpected late breakthrough for the for the Romanian. Yeah, um, it's 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 a couple of guys. It's actually quite uh, tight at the top of the singles uh, race, where we have Jack Draper at 256 points uh, as number one. Alice, had he won the title, this would have overtaken him. Uh, he's he's behind him by 26 points, and then it's uh, Pospisil number three, Dominic Stricker number four, and then a couple of guys: Nishioka, Van Rijthoven, Escobedo, Quacon. Um, 
yeah, so it's 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 been it's, it's starting to sort of shape up into something. Whereas beginning of the year, it's just like this guy won, so he's number one. This guy won, so he's number one. Um, yeah, should we go to match of the week and upset of the week? Yeah, sure. Sure. Uh, where would you like to start? Maybe let's say upset. Uh, I think I'm gonna go with Gianni over Van Rijthoven. I mean, there was always. Yeah. Yeah, there was always the concern that Van Rijthoven was going to be tired, but I probably expected that a little later in the week. Gianu doesn't really have the best indoor game to me, just just not the not the assets you usually use on this surface. I see it's also the highest one for the bookies, although it's not. It's rather closely followed by Cells over Mo, <laughs> which is quite shocking to me. It's actually. Uh, I listened to a podcast by maybe he's gonna listen to this by by John, uh, one of his he's on Twitter and I'm not sure if you know him. Like he's uh, he gives tips like for for bookies. He also has like a podcast where he talks about it. I actually listened to an episode, not necessarily to get a you know picks or something, but he just uh, I was interested in what he was gonna say say about the Challenger Tour and all uh, because it was mostly for challengers. As this week is uh, this week is obviously very. Uh, no, there was no main interaction on the men's side. And one of the things he mentioned was that uh, the bookies are pricing Michael Moe as if he's some sort of a challenger god since he came to yeah. Europe. Yeah, and I'm I, looking at like the history of his matches. Yeah, he's, he was absolutely spot on with this. I, I do not understand what Michael Moe has done in recent times to, to earn that sort of I don't know, uh, status of a top 10 player playing a top 80 player if we were talking about the main tour. But yeah, that, that, that's what's happening. So just uh, just a slight of topic there. But yeah, I, I would go for Gianna van Rijten. Yes, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going for the same as for Mo. I, I, I guess it was like interesting that he came to Europe and he did okay, where, I mean, two, two quarterfinals. Um, but yeah, not, nothing to... Sort of make you a sort of outrageous favorite in any matchup against a guy like like Cells. Uh, for match of the week, you already spoke about this match a bit. I gone, I've gone for uh, Alice over Fields. Uh, six seven seven six six four. Uh, as he said, Fields uh, serving for the match at five four in the third. Uh, he was two points second. away. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm second. Uh, he, he was two points away twice. I think at on, on Alice's serve at, at, at Deuce. Um, didn't actually get a match point at any point. Uh, there was a pretty huge game. I think it was at three, two fills um, in the third where he had a couple of break points. I think three didn't take them. At least then breaks him in and takes the match. Yeah, quite quite, quite interesting to, to, to see. Uh, I think it was like the first full match that I actually watched the fill. So it was quite, quite nice to see. Yeah. Cool. Uh, yeah, definitely a good one. Just another good showing from the youngster. I am actually, I have a little bit of a problem, like in terms of <laughs> to pick. I, I, I don't know who wants to pick anything else out of this. Obviously, just two events, so it wouldn't be that bad for us to just have the same match at upset of the week. But maybe I can just go for another match by Arthur Fields. Uh, the one against Olivetti was very cool as well uh, in the final yeah. round of qualifying. Uh, Fields, Fields was actually down. 4645 at 040, I believe. Uh, and Olivetti uh, made him work very hard for the win. We we possibly mentioned it a bit last week that uh, you know this is usually a matchup with Olivetti not having played singles in two years and never, I mean, not really being a consistent charger to player since like 2012, 13. Uh, it was hard to expect him to win on paper, but then again. You never really face guys like Olivetti, especially if you're 17-year-old Arthur Fields and no one plays like that in the juniors, then you, you might really be stunned by this. And I wouldn't say maybe that he was stunned, but Olivetti said it certainly made him work very hard for this. I can't remember at this point, but I think he never even had a break point. Definitely just won the, just won the two tie breaks. Yeah, wow. Um, yeah, really, really, I, I, I think a pretty solid week, entertaining. Um, yeah, next week we have um, three events, Monterey, Santiago, uh, and Roseto Deli Abruzzi. Uh, where would you like to start for previews? In Monterey is the big one, but I mean, the field has to be the worst, right? 
Um, looking at the draw real quick here. It, yeah. I mean, it certainly huh. is because I, I guess it makes sense yeah. from a scheduling standpoint. Because if you if you are a player that wants to play on hard courts and is in the area area of let's say South South America, sorry North America, Mexico, and all, then you're not gonna go to Monterey. You're gonna go to Indian Wells Qualies. And yeah, if absolutely. you're a player that you know doesn't feel like he can do well at Indian Wells. Then you're gonna either stay in Europe for Rosetto degli Abruzzi on clay or Santiago or go to South America or stay in South America for Santiago on clay. So I guess it makes a lot of sense. And it's like really weird because Monterey, last time we saw it, I don't think it was organized in 2021, right? Just 2020. No, 2020, yeah. Yeah, and in 2020, it was like one of the best challengers out there. Manarino was the top seed. We've had four top 100 players back then. Manarino, Lopez, Andujar, and Berankis. Obviously, Lopez is a lot higher ranked right now. Berankis as well, Andujar as well, even Manarino. But I mean, back then, all of them were in the top 62. So it was a it was a really great event. It's got a fantastic venue as well. Obviously, the the the, the exact the same one as uh, the WTA event that is actually finishing today. So uh, so 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 it's kind of weird to see. But it makes total sense from you know from just the, the the way that the players would schedule their their starts right now. Yeah, it's it's certainly interesting. I I wonder if if, if it was like differently scheduled in in twenty twenty and stuff uh, compared to when it is now. But I'm yeah, not positive. It's... Maybe you can start talking about the draw, and I will look for, look for it. Yes. Yeah. Let me let me run you through the draw. So we have top seed Fernando Vedasco. Uh, playing Zhe Li, uh, who's here on a protected ranking, Chinese player, uh, hasn't played since uh, January 2021. So that'll be uh, interesting. Uh, the winner of the face is one of the two qualifiers that played each other in the first round. The other seed in the section is Maxime Janvier, playing the challenger menace that is Michael Mo. Um, <laughs> the winner of that face is Rinki Hijikata, or qualifier. Um, Second section, we have Cedric Mazoštebe playing Bernard uh, Tomic, which that, that will certainly be interesting. Tomic hasn't won a match since um, Wimbledon Qualies. So, Only played the uh, one against Safiuli this year, right? Yeah, he, he 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 has played. He hasn't won since, uh, since mm-hmm. Wimbledon Qualies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, he, he played a couple of matches last year. Most of them he was quite horrible in um yeah, so. absolutely <laughs> but yeah I, I feel like you know it's it's a it's a fun face to see i think every now and then that, that he's a very occasional player winner of that will face christian harrison or a qualifier then we have jeffrey blancano uh playing juan alejandro hernandez uh mexican wildcard winner faces kaichi uchida or tommy robredo uh who is making his debut this year here yes um, third section, we have Jason Jung playing a qualifier. Winner faces a qualifier or Millage Kosu, who I think was one of the one of those shady wild cards uh, that we pointed out last year. Yes, yeah, always point. getting wild card in Mexico and never doing much with it. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, a, a qualifier will get a nice opportunity there. Uh, then we have Prajnesh Gunachvaram playing wild card Ryan Harrison. Winner faces Alex Rybakov or Ruben Stadium. Final section, we have Jay Clark uh, is the second seed playing Tung Lin Wu. Winner faces Ulysses Blanche or Julian Lenz. Other seed in the section is Juan Pablo Fikovic playing Peja Krstin. Winner faces Viktor Durasovic or Gosoda. Um, yeah, I, I, it's definitely lo- looking deeper into it, the, the weakest of the fields. Uh, a couple of names from qualifying that I'll pull out. Alexander Kovacevic, of course. Um, William Blumberg, uh, we have have to point him out. Um, that's that's probably about it for for the for the for the big names. Maybe Andrea, I don't know. Um, Strong Kirkheimer, my favorite name in in tennis. Uh, <laughs> it's just a great name. Um, yes, who do you like in this draw? Yeah, I didn't even notice Blumberg in the run sleep, but Blumberg uh, because he's not there. I was probably looking at the entry list uh, before before he was in. But honestly, like he could make a big run out of qualies. 
Yes. I think he's yeah. I think he's good enough in this draw. Uh, even King then clear clear Junior isn't that bad, but I mean, if if he plays the way we saw him in Cleveland and uh, the other event, uh, yeah, Columbus, I think, uh, uh, spots in the draw like against Jung, even against Kosu for sure, against Christian Harrison, against Hijikata. Hijikata is really good, but he's playing actually right now uh, at the time of recording, which is like you know afternoon. Uh, Sunday Sunday afternoon, uh, Hijikata is still playing the final in Santo Domingo against Blancano uh, at 25k. So he he could probably be tired. Uh, there's also a qualifier versus a qualifier spot. Like this is really a draw where Blumberg could do something. I'm now contemplating a hero call, <laughs> <laughs> which is probably a bit much. But this draw is really weak. Like even the seats, even the top seats, Verdasco, Clark. Um, no, there's there's plenty of players that I will enjoy watching, but most of them aren't really among the the higher ranked ones, I believe. In terms of Kosu, I I, I did check that out. He is currently one eight on his professional career, uh, three challenger appearances, and he only won like nine games in them. So yeah, he 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 just always gets a wild card in Mexico and never never really does much with it. I'm I, I'm not sure how it works. Uh, yeah, and I also checked the, the thing with Monterey. Obviously, Indian Wells wasn't held in 2020 due to the pandemic. But yes, Monterey was supposed to be held, or was held, uh, one week before Indian Wells was, you know, was supposed to happen. So that's why, uh, well, that's why uh, it was actually a very good warm-up for guys like Andujar, Berankis, Lopez, Manarino. There was also a challenger in Indian Wells, one to five before, so mm-hmm. that was even stronger, obviously. Uh, but but yeah, Monterey was in a much better spot simply. Right now, uh, right now everyone just wants to play Indian Wells qualies, so uh, so that's the issue with it there. Although in turn we're gonna get the Phoenix again, right? Uh, we're yes. gonna get the the one in Phoenix again, which is which is supposed to be like amazing. Uh, all the I think all the main draw entrants right now are are in in the 80s uh, in the That's top 80 of the ATP ranking or something <laughs> like this yeah obviously some of them are going to withdraw yeah, it, like, it, it, it will drop them. off but it's going to be a, it's still very strong yeah it's going to be like the, 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 the best challenger of the year for sure anyhow back to Monterey as I said the seeds aren't really great uh, none of them is really in good form maybe Jay Clark is but it, I, I never really was um, maybe a fan is a is a is the wrong word here, but I'm uh, I never really feel confident in picking Jay Clark to do to do well. So not necessarily because I believe in it or think that it will happen, but because I just don't really see anyone who who is like a strong favorite for this. Actually, Michael Moe, the challenger juggernaut, is in a very good spot as well. <laughs> I think. Uh, but I am gonna go for William Blumberg. Like this, this is another one of these picks where if it works, I'm gonna be you know the, the challenger picking prediction competition god, uh, <laughs> and I'm gonna take that risk because I really don't know what to go for out of this. Yeah. So Blumberg, before he has even hit a ball in the first qualifying round, uh, you you're, you're you're picking him to win the whole thing. Uh, so that's that's pretty huge. Obviously, I, I could counter with with a pick like that, but I think I will try to go for something a little more maybe sensible. Um, but as you said, it is very slim pickings here. I actually thought about Mo for uh, a solid second, but um, I don't know if the if the travel is going to be I, ideal for him. It's a, it's a pretty fast turnaround. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go with Jay Clark. He he made a final in in Forli. Um, he didn't really do well in India, but I guess the losses are Michajak, Tseng, and Vukic, which isn't entirely horrible. Um, yeah, the, the 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 losses aren't bad. It's just the lack of really good wins recently. Um, yeah, but yeah, I, I I don't like the pick at all. But I'm going with with Jay Clark. Yeah, I didn't even expect, I mean, I saw that the draw was really weak, but I didn't expect that it was going to be so hard to just get my eye on someone here. Like, if if not Blumberg, I think I'd be going Clark or Mo myself too, so. Yes, yeah, should we go to Santiago? Yep. Yeah, Santiago, comparatively much stronger draw here. 
we have top seed Yuji Lehechka, who initially surprised me, but uh, the Czechs played uh, Davis Cup in Argentina. Yeah. So, so that's why him and uh, Kop Shiva, I think, is in here. Yeah, as they just sort of stayed behind. So Yuji Lehechka, top seed, uh, plays a qualifier. Uh, then in the second round, might face Santiago Fa, Rodriguez Taverna, or Goncalo Oliveira. Other season section is Tomas Martin Echeverri, uh, winner face, uh, who plays a qualifier. Winner of that face is Camilo Ugo Carabey or Diego Fernandez Flores. Then we have Ugo Dayen, the third seed, playing Pedro Cachin. Winner faces uh, Renzo Olivo or Ignacio Antonio Becerra Otarola. Other seed in the section is um, Marcel Tomas Barrios Vera uh, playing Jesper de Jong. Winner of that will face a qualifier as there are two that play each other there. Uh, third section, we have Juan Pablo Varias playing Thiago Tirante. Uh, so I think that'll be very fun first round. Winner faces Blajrola or qualifier. Then we have uh, Juan Ignacio Londero playing Andrea Cuiarini. That'll be their ninth meeting. Uh, Cuiarini is head to it five to three. I, I, I just love it when you have these guys that just play each other all the time. Um, winner of that face is Puccinelli de Almeida or uh, Oliveri. Uh, sorry, Oliveri. Final section, we have Alejandro Tabilo playing Daniel Antonio Nunez. Winner faces Gonzalo Lama or qualifier. So sort of Chilean corner here. Then we have Nicolas Hari playing Mid Kopshiva. Winner of that face is Facundo Mena or Nicolas Kiker. Uh, yes, who do you like here in, in Santiago? Because I'm looking at maybe like 15 different guys. Yeah, <laughs> you're absolutely right. And there's there's so many good first round matchups that you don't really want to go for, I don't know, Varias because he's playing Tirante. Uh, you don't really want to go for Delian because he's playing Kachin. You don't really want to go for Barrios Vera because he's playing De Jong, or maybe De Jong is the stronger player. I mean, I don't even know. Uh, I guess the sensible call is always Stabilo, just because of how good he did at the, uh, you know, at the Golden Swing. Uh, he's probably going to relish an opportunity like this. Has a pretty easy start, I suppose, because Nunez and then Lama are a qualifier. Looking at the qualifier draw, the, the, like the qualifying draw, there's not really many guys who could potentially get on a big run. Pedro da Silva has been playing quite well recently. Obviously, Daniel, not, uh, not his brother, because he retired very recently. Now, I, I'm now really struggling to remember what was his name. On R, it starts with an R, right? <laughs> Uh, Rogelio. Ro- yeah, Ro- yeah, Rogelio Yes, you're absolutely right. Um, Paul Jab is in the qualities, which is quite interesting. Uh, I, I don't really know how you know how the scheduling decision came to be, uh, but I, I certainly want to watch him in in this event. I, I, I think he's playing maybe right now even. Yeah, he's playing right now, but yes. winning pretty, uh, winning pretty easily against Nicolas Bruna of Chile. Anyhow. Yeah, as, as you said, there's so many guys here. I don't want to go for Lehechka, even though he was pretty good against Bias when I watched him in the Davis Cup. Uh, but Rodriguez Taverna Lehechka would be just such a good second round. I just want yeah, to watch yeah. it, not have a you know, not have a winner pick in there. So I'm, I'm gonna go with Tabilo. I think this is after the crazy Blumberg pick. I think this is the easy way out here. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm also going Tabilo. Um... He he's he's been in Chile for for like three or four weeks now, uh, which has been pretty good for him uh, since he had Santiago, then Davis Cup at home uh, against Slovenia, and now uh, the Santiago Challenger. The the, the semi final the semi final run in Santiago is really something. Final run in Cordoba. I feel like we sort of have to go for for Tabilo here. Yeah, he he, he was actually quite. I mean, uh, the mental aspect of his game was wasn't great when when he played these later, you know, matches late in the tournament in Santiago or Cordoba. But on the Challenger Tour, he didn't really show that's these sort of issues. So I, I'm also pretty like pretty confident that he can do well. It, not I'm not gonna say I'm confident he can win because this is just such a good draw that. Yeah, as you said, like plenty of players can win it. And Stabilo, in terms of being in Chile, he's probably been there in like 22 of his 24 years of, of being alive. So. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm just saying, I'm just saying yeah, I you know, know, I know, I know. Like being in that venue for, for a while. I know, it was just, it was just a bit funny to me. Uh, okay, uh, so do we go to Rosetto degli Abruzzi then? 
Yes, let's close it out. In Europe, uh, we have top seed Carlos Tabernet playing Lorenzo Giustino. Winner faces Kimer Kopejans or Josef Kovalik. Other seed in the section is Gianmarco uh, Moroni uh, playing a qualifier. Winner of that faces Federico Gallo or Nino Sedarusic. Second section, we have Benabe Zapata-Mirayas playing Dwey Dukovic in a pretty big first round, I think. Winner faces a qualifier or Francesco Maestrei. Uh, then we have Andre Martin playing Alessandro Gianessi. Winner faces uh, Lukas Rosso or a qualifier. Third section, we have Nikola Milojevic playing Andrea Pellegrino. Uh, winner faces Andrea Arnaboldi or a qualifier. Then there's Nuno Borges playing Matthias Borg. Winner faces Francesco Passaro or a qualifier. Final section, Stefano Travaglia plays uh, Joao Dominguez. Winner faces Timofei Skatov or Braden Schnur. And then Flavio Koboli, the seventh seed, plays Marco Trujetti. Winner faces Andrea Del Federico or a qualifier. Uh, yes, who do you like here in Rosetto degli Abruzzi? Uh, someone we didn't mention in Gran Canaria, who I don't know if there was like a real reason to, uh, is Carlos Jimeno Valero, who's in the qualies here. And he actually dropped, like, how many points is there right now for the second round of a uh, Challenger 80? Seven, eight, something like this, right? Uh, seven, yeah. Seven, yeah. And so he dropped 73 of his 151 ranking points this week. <laughs> yeah, because he dropped the, the Gran Canaria points from last year. Uh, that's just, you know, he obviously has had some injury issues. He hasn't played up to his potential in a while, but this is still quite shocking. Uh, there, that is rough. Yeah, it's it's 146 place drop. Yeah. He's now number 458 in the live and, ranking. And it doesn't even seem that bad, right? 458, I mean, it's still... Feels fairly close, but that just shows you how big the difference between the between these spots in the rankings is. Because it, it maybe it's not necessarily big in terms of the points, but he would effectively have to double his current ranking to get back to mm -hmm. where he was. Uh, if you're playing and going deep in challengers, that's probably not much. But if you have to play on the ITF tour, which he's probably gonna have to do if he doesn't want to play qualies or if there's no challengers in Spain at some point in time, uh, that, that's going to be really tough for him to do. He played well against Caruso, I think. Uh, again, the double faults showed, showed up. He didn't make 50% of his second serves, which is just, you know, even if he's playing better from the baseline than the other guys, it's going to be really hard to win matches uh, with, with such a situation. Today, he defeated Luigi Sorrentino in the in the qualies. Tomorrow, he's going to play Marco Michelli. So obviously, it's not a, it's not a tough draw. Uh, but you know, he, he desperately needs a big result. That's for sure. Uh, this is actually yeah. the only one, the only challenger this week uh, where I went into the recording already knowing who I'm going to pick. <laughs> yeah, I think... I, could... I just have a quick note on Jimeno Valero, just uh -huh. to illustrate yeah. how broken the rankings are. He is only 15 spots above Janko Tipsarevic, who hasn't played since. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's absolutely... Jesus. Uh, I mean, at least on, we have this situation until August, right? It's it's going away. Yeah. But yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. recently looked at the oldest guys in the ATP rankings, and there's like plenty of, I don't know, Jan Hayek right now, who they haven't played in, I don't know, three years, and they're, yet, yet they're still there. So we've got, <laughs> I don't know, Toshihide Matsui still being ranked, or Ohikwon, the, the Korean 43-year-old, still being ranked. Even though they haven't played since 2019. But uh, we only have this situation until Cincinnati. So uh, I am really glad that it's getting back to normal. I'm also really glad that it's already, you know, that the threshold that you need to achieve to get a high ranking position is already so much smaller because it's really hampering uh, young players. Uh, anyhow, I think, I mean, everyone, not everyone, but I mean, a lot of people would probably be able to guess my pick here. Um, and I think I'm just going to, without, you know, without really talking much about it, I'm just going to go straight into it. There's a few first round matches that I really enjoy, like Koboli Trukariti, that could be interesting. Uh, Zapata Miraj Aitukovic, uh, this one I certainly want to watch. Both guys have a really high peak, uh, according, you know, in my opinion. Uh, but I will go with Junior Borges. Uh, he played very well in the DC tie against Mike Shack. 
Uh, hasn't played on clay yet this year because of getting COVID in January. He only played in four lead wise. Uh, indoor hard is certainly not his favorite, you know, choice of <laughs> favorite choice of conditions. Uh, he needs a little bit more time. He's gonna get it here in, in on the clay in Rosetto degli Abruzzi. I think it's also a new event, so I'm not sure. Uh, you know what the conditions exact or the exact conditions of play will be, but obviously it's clay, so it's not really going to be something revolutionary, I'm sure. Uh, and I will go with Nuno Borges because, as I said in the in the DC tie against Poland, he looked excellent. I still think this is a guy who will break the top 100 relatively soon. I don't want to make some predictions like at the end of the year. Uh, but but I do think that if not for some in being insanely unlucky since graduation, he probably would have been around there already. Like that, this is a guy who graduated from university and then the pandemic happened and he had to play exhibitions for like half a year. Then he obviously had these two ankle injuries, then COVID. I, I think if not for all these breaks, he'd really be ranked so much higher than he is right now. Yeah, Borges is a very strong pick. I, I, I like him in the match against Michael Jack. Um, I'm I'm just thinking here. I would like to go Borges, but I think I'll go for something else. I think I'm going to go for uh, Zapata Miraes. Um, I was hoping for I, Andre Martin, but oh no, no, no. There's, I, there's I no accept way. Zapata Miraes. Okay. Yeah. So so Zapata Miraes. It's you know he he plays Edukovic in the first round. But I feel like the winner of that match is almost guaranteed for me to be the semifinalist out of that second section with Maestrelli, two qualifiers, Rosso, Genesi, and Martin. I feel like Zapata Miraes or Aidukovic is going to be the semifinalist. Uh, and I guess I'm just sort of going with more the, the experienced challenger guy than, than Aidukovic. But I feel like I was, I was leading up in my head to going Aidukovic, but pulled out at the last second too. <laughs> Yeah, the, 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 I mean, the thing with Zapata Miralas is that he really hasn't won many matches recently. And if you like, yeah, you, you just don't really associate him with form right now, which is perfectly right, of course. I mean, he's 3 6 for the year, but he's only played ATP events so far. And mm. I, I would say probably only the loss to Popko is a little bad, but on hard courts, I don't think it's, it's something he should be, you know, just. <laughs> he should be ashamed of. He's lost two matches on clay in the in the golden swing. And I think these are this is the worrying part that he only won nine yeah. games combined against Hanfman and Bagnis. Uh, but I mean no one no one is gonna have to be convinced that if this guy uh that if this guy plays well on clay, then he's an absolute force. I mean, even last year he went 27 and 11 on uh, actually that's with Bundesliga, but I mean Something, something along the lines of twenty-three and ten, or something on clay courts. One, one Helbron, one, uh, one Poznan, and was obviously excellent all year round, practically. So, so yeah, I, I, I like the pick as well. I'm a bit scared of the first match against Aitukovic just because he has no match rhythm. But I, I like what you said about the the quarter for sure because if he, even even if it's you know it's it's not the worst. There's Janessi, there's Martin who played pretty well last week. Uh, but if if he gets that tiny bit of match practice, he can really get on the run here. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's what I'm thinking. And he sort of looking back at last year. Um, th th this is kind of it's it's not the best argument because obviously his poor form has been carrying longer than than just uh, one uh -huh. or two weeks here. Uh, but you know, right before Poznan, he went out of the second round to Lajovic in Umag. Uh, right before uh, Hilbron, he lost in Madrid qualifiers to Dalbonis in the in the first round. So I feel like you know, he 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 doesn't necessarily need like a long lead up of form to then go and win the challenger title. Uh, and I feel like he, he's, he's, got a, he's got he's got a lot of quality. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm, I, I feel I feel okay about this pick. I think. Yeah. Yeah, we've got some very interesting ones this week. I feel like uh, la last week I was obviously <laughs> really hating you for picking Carpaez Baena, and, and I said that this would be a moral victory for me if Carpaez Baena won. Uh, he didn't, so I guess it's still a moral victory for me. But but you know, I, I'm not. I don't have to be angry about it anymore. Uh, but this week, yeah, we've got some very exciting guys to to watch and to follow throughout. Uh, is it everything that we've already wanted to talk about? Is is everything covered? 
Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. Yeah. yeah, I think so too. Uh, so once again, thanks for listening. Thanks for being here and see you guys in a week when we're going to discuss Monterrey, Santiago and Rossetti del Diabruzzi. Bye.